hit me. From Studio P in Sausalito, the home of the hit, it's time for... Suckatash. Yes, Suckatash Chats, the original comedy soundcast featuring interviews from comedy... Soundcast. Soundcasters, comedians, comedian soundcasters, and other showbiz folks. And here's your host, internationally recognized comedy soundcast soundcaster, Mark Hershaw. Yes, it's me, Mark Hershon, your host, and that's it, your host, host, executive producer for Suckatash, the comedy soundcast soundcast, and welcome to Epi 159, the cruising to LA Podfest episode. Uh, I am on I-5, making my way from San Francisco to Los Angeles, California. I'm uh, past the halfway point while to get things recorded here. Uh, it's a beautiful Wednesday morning and uh, the PodFest starts on Friday at the Biltmore Hotel in beautiful downtown Los Angeles. I'm going to try and drop this episode before I hit the PodFest. And uh, if, you have, uh, if you're in the LA area, not bought your tickets, they are now selling single day tickets. So you don't have to go for all three days. But If you do go for all three days, you'll see me there all three days. I'll be set up in the podcast lab with my Succotash microphones in place. But I'm also doing uh, some extra duty just the last couple of weeks. I got requests to uh, moderate a couple of panels. So I'll moderate a panel on Friday night, which is the um, starting your podcast, how to start your podcast. And I think the panelists have changed since I was originally uh, booked for this. So I can't remember who the new panelists are, but we're going to be discussing how to start a podcast, how to get the damn thing going in the first place. And then on Saturday, I think that's at 1.30, that panel, but you can find it in the lineup. And then on Saturday, I think it's a little later, I think it's 3 o'clock on Saturday, I'll be moderating a panel on... Uh, uh, sponsorships for your podcast and establishing the long-term relationships with sponsors, which is uh, very apropos because as you know, uh, longtime listeners of Succotash, we have had one sponsor for the entire run of our show, Henderson's Pants, loyal sponsor, also completely fictional. Friends, for years, Henderson's Pants has been saying that we offer stylish lower body wear for every member of your family. Well, it's time to come clean. That hasn't been exactly truthful. Sure, Henderson's offered pants for mom and dad, brother and sister, even baby. But what about Fido and Fluffy, the dogs and cats of this great country? Aren't they members of the family too, you ask? Well, they are now. With Henderson's Pet Pants, your favorite furry friend doesn't have to be bare-assing around the house any longer. With more colors and fabrics than you can fetch a stick with, pets now have no excuse not to be putting on the dog or cat when it comes to stepping out in style. And Henderson's Pet Pants are not just limited to your pooch or pussy. Birds, fish, lizards, we are complete petophiles at Henderson's, and we have just the pant no matter what your companion's persuasion. 
Whether you want to see your Dalmatian in denim or your Persian in petal pushers, we've got it. That squawking cockatiel in corduroy, goldfish in gold lame, or Komodo dragon in khaki, oh, we've got it. Hendersons can even lock your livestock up in stylish trousers. Imagine Porky's ham hocks in herringbone or your frisky llama in linen. We've got that too. Originally designed for petting zoos, furry conventions, and the Bohemian Grove, Henderson's Pet Pants are now available truly for the first time for the entire family. That's Henderson's, makers of fine trousers and pantaloons since 1896, and now back to Suckatash. I have word from our producer, Joe Paulino, that there is a, another sponsor that's uh, lining up. We don't have any spots from them yet, so I'm loath to mention who they are. But I think we're going to be leapfrogging most of the podcast industry uh, with this sponsor because of the business they are in. So that's all I'm saying for now. But uh, stay tuned for that. We should be having commercials for them very shortly once the, the ink is dry on their signature. Uh, again, I'm driving down I-5, so you may hear some weird things. Usually with these recordings I do in the car, I've got to filter out a lot of the road noise and things so it might might be kind of tinny by the time i get done doing some audio magic to this it's a mixed bag special so i'm not announcing this as a succotash chats or a succotash clips i think we've got a little of both i've got a uh, a conversation with a gentleman uh, who wrote a book that he has self-published uh about the uh how the the real ending of the cold war it's a fictional book about the real ending of the cold war uh, Carl uh, Rick Karlsruher. That's it, Rick Karlsruher. I think I got it right. Or it's Carl Rick's Ruhr. No, it's Rick Karlsruher. A lot of trouble with that name. But uh, we had a Skype conversation a few weeks ago. And apologies both to him and to you, our faithful listener. I've been a bit on a bit of a unofficial hiatus for the past few weeks. So apologies for that. The last episode we really did was a special episode to uh, help raise hurricane relief money for uh, the victims of Hurricane Harvey in Houston. And uh, that was a special episode where I clipped just Houston comedy soundcasts and is available through uh, a, a special uh, podcast package that was put together by a fellow in Texas, a podcaster. You can find more information on that in the, uh, the previous blog item, uh, blog piece for this show on SuccotashShow.com. I'll also keep uh, a link going to that uh, relief package because there's still time to try and help those folks out a little bit more. And a lot of that money was going to go to displaced Houston area soundcasters. So uh, there were a lot of folks that had to kind of put their show down for a little while while they were picking up the pieces. So check out SuccotashShow.com and find the link to that. I think the packet is 25 bucks or something, and you get a whole bunch of shows. So we also have a, a call into the Succotash hotline that I recorded from uh, our friend Hunter Block. I'll be playing that a little bit later. We have several bursts of durst that have come in while our hiatus has been going on. Uh, some of those are so timely that I probably will not play all the ones I've gotten in from Will because... Uh, things are changing so quickly in the political and culture, cultural landscape these days. Uh, just tragedy after tragedy 
I'm recording this uh, pretty much on the heels of the uh, the mass shooting in Las Vegas less than a week ago. Of course, there was Hurricane Irma after Hurricane Harvey. There's been other shootings, police violence, and of course, that moron in the White House who's just, I never let want this show to get too political other than letting Mr. Durst have his rant. But uh, man, there is... Uh, Something's rotten in Denmark, and by Denmark, I mean the White House. And we have uh, collectively, I hope we do something to change the course that this country's on. But enough of that soapbox. I am driving, as I said, it's uh, 71 degrees, a beautiful 71 degrees on a sunny day on Interstate 5, what I like to call the Kessel Run between San Francisco and Los Angeles. And again, pardon the sort of weird sloppiness in announcing all this stuff, because I'm just really doing this on the fly, but you guys don't really care. <laughs> Still, uh, no Patreons following us on Patreon.com at uh, Patreon.com slash show, but that's all right. Uh, our, I think our Amazon banner still works, but I'm getting message for, messages from Amazon that I've got to change a few things. They're updating their system. So I think if you click on Amazon and shop through that, we still get... A little bit of kickback, which is good. Um, our donate button still functions. I know the last episode, I think I promised I would never beg for uh, donations and money again. So apologies, but uh, just sort of vamping here. Um, I might try and reach Rick Overton and talk to him on this drive. Uh, just because um, it seems every time I come down here for podcast festival... I get Rick on the phone for a few minutes, but he's also shooting this week um, Speechless, ABC show Speechless. He's got a guest role on that. And I think he said he was going to be tied up all this week until they get done shooting on Friday. So uh, not likely that's going to happen, but I'll try and get him on here. I'm also also supposed to be getting together with uh, frequent guest and friend of uh, Succotash, Dana Carvey, while I'm in Los Angeles. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, I had a request from Cole Stratton, one of the founders of San Francisco Sketchfest, to see if uh, I can wield any of my mighty succotash weight in getting Dana to do the show, this, the Sketchfest show in January. Last time was 2005 when I hosted a conversation with Dana Carvey, and uh, they'd like to have him back now that 12 years have passed, so... <laughs> Uh, I will see. I have absolutely no influence over Mr. Carvey whatsoever, but I will mention it to him. Oh, and I forgot to say, I am in one other panel uh, on Sketchfest this weekend. Not only am I moderating the two panels that I've already mentioned on Friday and Saturday, but on Sunday, I am going to be a guest a guest on the panel that I think Jackie Cation from Dork Forest is moderating. And that's a panel about... Uh, interviewing guests, how to interview guests, and uh, what's the best way to sort of keep the conversation going, how to get guests on your show. So we'll be talking about that. That's Sunday at 1.30. Um, and again, this is all happening at the Biltmore Hotel. This is the first time that the podcast festival will be in that location, downtown Los Angeles. It's supposed to be uh, just a gorgeous, uh, ornate, old hotel. It is. I've been, I've been there. But uh, it should be a great place to hold the podcast festival. I think we're all on one floor, which is nice. 
and uh, there should be ample room. So that'll be good. All right, let's uh, let's get things started with our first burst Odurst. And I'm not sure what he's talking about here, but uh, let's find out together, shall we? Hey guys, Will Durst here with a few choice words on the sad and predictable dance currently being performed by our politicians in the face of the recent massacre in Las Vegas. Well, not a dance, really. More like choreographed twitching. As surprising as spilt milk at a dairy farm explosion, Republicans sadly shook their heads and said that in the wake of such a tragedy resulting in so much death, this is not the time to politicize the issue of gun control. While Democrats piously pointed out that these appalling incidents happen with such frequency, we're stuck in a constant state of perpetual bereavement and nothing is destined to ever happen. Probably the GOP's secret agenda. Although this time around, both sides may have found common ground and will agree to regulate something called the bump stock, which is a device that can turn a semi-automatic weapon more automatic. And the NRA has announced that it is not dead set against the restrictions, which makes you think that they're mostly a novelty and not very important or effective, like banning the use of flasks in the hollow shafts of putters on the PGA Tour or making baseball players use round laces instead of flat ones on their cleats. The organization known as the Gun Owners of America still maintains its opposition to any regulations at all, ever. Of course, these guys make the NRA look like the leftist wing of the ACLU. A spokesman for the GOA says America won't truly be safe until we get rid of all the gun-free zones, like schools and churches and hospitals meaning that their answer to gun violence is more guns. This is the kind of logic that would indicate the best way to deal with floods is more water. Got yourself a rat problem? What you need to do is meet a congressman. Oh, <laughs> sorry, little strident. For Succotash, the comedy soundcast soundcast, I'm Will Durst. All right. Thank you, Mr. Durst. We'll have a little bit more Burst of Durst coming up. Like I said, I've got several of them backlogged, so we may actually have uh, another two before we get out of here. I'll probably do one after our cavalcade of gratitude. You know what? I can't do a cavalcade of gratitude. I don't have my email in front of me, so I don't have everybody's name. So we're going to have to take a pass on the gr on the old gratitude carousel this episode. Sorry about that, but thank you so much for mentioning us in your tweets and your uh, Instagrams and your Facebook likes and all that other stuff, SoundCloud and everything. Um, by the way, if you ever want to make a comment about the show, uh, you're free to come to SuccotashShow.com. There's a, a space to click on comment at the bottom of every blog entry. Normally, all I get is weird spam stuff, so be happy to see something new from that. Uh, one thing I never really plug on this show, I mention it occasionally, is um, I am a weekly contributor, as probably many of you know, to the This Week in Comedy Podcasts column on Splitsider.com that comes out every Thursday. So uh, I usually do two episodes for those columns. Most people do one. I do two because I care this week, I'm only doing one, I think, because of this drive. Um, well, maybe I'll get another one listened to by the time I get to L.A. I don't know. but um, So I'll be doing uh, one for that. And I have, as I've been taking a hiatus 
uh, again, unofficial hiatus. Didn't announce this was going to be happening, but I've taken like three or four weeks now since I've dropped the last episode. I've also not been keeping up on my Huffington Post or, excuse me, Huff Post columns. Uh, and I'm getting constant requests from PR people to review their clients' podcasts or soundcasts as I continue to try and call them um, in uh, HuffPost. So I'll be uh, cranking that back up again. Uh, we'll get we'll get back to business here. It's just been, quite frankly, really crazy at my day job. I name things for a living, as some of you may know. I work for a large branding agency, uh, international branding agency in San Francisco, but they're actually, they have like 25 offices around the world, headquartered in London. And uh, it's been just really busy and hard to get to uh, my outside interests. And I know you're a loyal listener and you don't want to think of yourself as being a, an outside, a part of my outside interest, but uh, it's time to face facts in this Trumpian universe. Let's just be totally transparent. All right. Uh, let's get now to my interview with uh, Carl Rich. Oh, see, now I've forgotten his name. Rick Carlshover. Rick. Oh, oh my God. You know what? I get it right in this interview. And uh, we find out all about him and where this crazy story that he wrote uh, is fictional, but it's how the Cold War really ended. So uh, take it away, me. I am speaking with Rick, and I know I'm going to screw this up, but you can finally correct me. Carl's Ruhr. You got it perfectly. What? Get out of here. Yeah. Just imagine being five years old with that name. <laughs> Rick Carl's Ruhr, not a singer. Not a singer. Um, he is the author of a, a book called Standoff, How the Cold War Really Ended. Uh, and you know, and you know, it's factual because really is all in caps. Absolutely. Um, Rick, I, Rick, 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 before we talk about your book, what uh, what else do you do? Well, I'm, at this point, I'm doing a little bit of marketing consulting. I've, over the years, I've done advertising, promotions, concerts, even managed a couple of local bands when I lived in Philly, and now I'm just saying. Hoping my writing will go back into being something worthwhile now that you're going to make me into a star. <laughs> oh, you must not be familiar with Succotash then, but I'll do the best I can with our dozen of listeners. Uh, um, so, I, full disclosure, I still have not gotten all the way through the book, not because it's it's actually a really interesting read. I've just been so slammed with work that I haven't had a chance to... Uh, get all the way through it but uh what i've read is very interesting and i've read some really good reviews about it as well um uh online people seem to enjoy it a lot but uh for our listeners why don't you just tell me a little bit about the storyline because it's it's written in a in a first person narrative form uh but uh the names have all been changed to protect the the innocent oh the stupid <laughs> But basically, you know, the interesting thing when you brought about the reviews, I basically sent out a two or three tweets, and that's it. And I've had reviews from, let me see, Israel, Cameroon, um, England, Australia, and the U.S. Wow. So it's 
I guess I guess it, I guess it worked a little bit. But the story is basically set in that we start out with a young reporter from Philadelphia who's going to interview the um, new Secretary General of the United Nations, who's from a small African country that we call Matabu. So like a, it's like an island nation in the Indian Ocean, and that that person is basically a living saint. Okay. So, so he's thinking he's going to just do a piece about how this person from such a tiny country got to be thought of so well. And as he gets up to get into the meeting, out from behind a door comes a person who is a, a prince of a small country. So we call it Luxenstein. Uh-huh. And he would make, you know, he, um, you know, Hugh Hefner and Charlie Sheen would be a virgin compared to him. Okay. <laughs> and the, and as the interview is going on, the two, the two friends, the, the prince and the, and the president, this new secretary general look at each other and, and they decide to Give, put, let, let him in on a secret. Okay. And he's not sure if he's being pranked or not, but they said, you know, we want, we'd like you to write a book. And he goes, oh, okay, about about President Mabango? He goes, well, not really. He goes, the two of us basically ended the Cold War. <laughs> but we're not exactly sure how. <laughs> and we'd like to hire you to do that. Well, this sounds uh, like I said. The the beginning part of it is uh, it's it's got this. I don't want to say ring of authenticity to it, but it does. Uh, you could definitely, and it's got a great deal of, of humor in it. But uh, it it does have a sort of real feel. Maybe it's the, just the heightened sensitivity to the Trump administration and everything else going on in the world. It you kind of go, you know what this this could really happen. Well, a couple of things about that is. It originally was written as a script many, many years ago, and as we descend into, a, as you said, with Trump, as we descend into a new Cold War, I thought it would be a good idea to tell us how the old one ended. <laughs> and you talk about a, a feeling of authenticity. Many of the places, not in Siberia or, say, Petersburg, Russia, but many of the places like in Central Europe, um, in New York, in North Carolina, those, those places actually exist. Uh-huh. Um, you know, the, the bar that you see, the Mudville Nine is actually one of my favorite dive bars in Tribeca. Ah, okay. It's right across the street from one of the great ideas for a bar I've ever seen in that they have a, they have a parking lot. You know, if you're familiar with New York, you have those parking lots where you put the car, you stack the cars on top of each other. Yeah. And right where you wait for your car is a bar. Okay. You know, you play bumper cars as you get on the Broadway. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> yeah. So what? So, uh, so uh, Rick, what gave you the uh, the idea for the book? Well, what happened was the idea for the, the I actually wrote it as a screenplay before the Cold War ended. Oh, really? And what? Ha- and I didn't even know that I, was, I didn't. I just came up with a story. I just wrote pa- stuff down on paper, and just I had a I had a quote consultant. At the old rock and roll magazine, Cream, yeah. the East Coast version of a Rolling Stone. Sure. And he thought it was pretty funny. And we got back then, of course, the director, there was no online. 
and get the director's guild manual, shall we say, we borrowed one. Is that a nice way to put it? Absolutely. And <laughs> we thought that Dick Martin from Laughing, who had been directing a whole lot of TVs, shows, and movies, and stuff like that at the time, might be good. So we're going to try to send a letter to his agent. And I said, why don't we just call his agent? And my co-consultant, oh, no, we can't do this. That's like... The phone number's right there. If you don't call him, I will. <laughs> so I did. You called Dick Martin. I called, well, I thought I was calling Dick Martin's agent. Yeah. And I picked up the phone. I go, he goes, hello. I go, hi, do you represent Dick Martin? And he goes, well, I think I do. <laughs> and he, I go, I, and he, who are you? He goes, uh, Dick Martin. <laughs> and he goes, how'd you get my phone number? It's in the director's guild manual. He goes, hold on a minute. He called his wife, Val, he goes, give me the manual. <laughs> he goes, damn, I'm an idiot. <laughs> and I send him out a copy of what I thought was a script. And he, he called me back and goes, that's really funny. I have no idea what it is, but it's really funny. <laughs> Here's what a script is supposed to look like. Oh, funny. And he goes, what would you like? He goes, I'd love for you to direct it if I fix it up. He goes, you're kidding. You, you, you're asking me to direct? Oh, my gosh, that's so nice of you. <laughs> you're an absolute sweetheart. And then later on, we actually, Maddie Simmons came on board a little bit from National Lampoon. Oh, yeah. But the studios told us we were too far ahead of our time. Mm. And my concept, my concept from the beginning was that the Cold War was going to end without a shot being fired. Now, how we got to that point... Wait, I hadn't quite come up with yet. Right. <laughs> but I didn't see any way that we could actually have a war in the Cold War. And they also didn't like that because they said, oh, there's going to have to be some kind of conflagration. I go, nah, not going to happen. Yes. And so I then tried to get it made, and that's an entirely different story. Uh -huh. And I put it away for many years. And, you know, like a couple years ago, I saw all the stuff with Russia bubbling up. And I said, hey, well, let's try and make this into a book since they're not going to buy a script from an old fart like me. But they may buy a book. <laughs> yeah. And then say it could be a script. And so I said, well, I tried to write a book before, and uh, let me try again. <laughs> but, but the hardest part was the, the detective story at the beginning that you've read yeah. was not part of the original script. Oh, okay. I had to figure a way to spread a 120-page, 115-page script into 240 pages of of a book. So yeah. I had to add. Yeah, usually it goes the other way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, well, that's that's me. My friend, my friend, Juan calls it doing a Rick. Uh, Rick, what you mentioned, you tried a, a book before. What was uh, what was that experience? Well, that experience was actually. Um, about trying to get standoff made into a book, into a mo movie. Okay. <laughs> this, uh, this all seems to be very secular and uh, sort of like a snake eating its own tail. This is more incestuous than a Georgia family reunion. <laughs> and so what happened, you know, it just was like every, I mean, every movie trying to get made is basically the same thing. I mean, doesn't every movie, doesn't every script get to be used yeah. as state? Oh, yeah. IRS FBI sting, <laughs> and, then, and then while that was going on, I'm sitting drinking with the guy who's putting up half the money, and a knock at the door, and they, these two guys in the middle of the night with blacked out sunglasses and a 
uh, briefcase handcuffed to his head, wrist, offers us um, diplomatic passports from a Central American company country. <laughs> Boy, you are you are living a, a rich fantasy life. That, that, this is reality. <laughs> and um, then um, I, after all the madness here, I said I can't. I was living in Philadelphia at the time. I decided I can't take it, so I moved to California to try to get it made. Yeah. And I ran into. A, as I put it, call him a baby-faced con man who just unbelievable amount of coincidences started happening. Hmm. And he was supposed to be connected to a whole bunch of stuff. And I mean, like we're walking through Beverly Hills one day, and this Italian guy, this guy at this Italian restaurant opens the restaurant to serve us lunch. We go to like all these clubs, and he gets to go. We get in the celebrity section. He's a 21-year-old kid. He had, I mean, there's so many things that didn't make any sense huh. that I trusted him, even though at that time I was doing a little work with um, the old R&B band, band uh, McFadden Whitehead. Oh, yeah. Um, my job was, well, white people like this. <laughs> and they tell me, stay away from the guy. But, I mean, what kind of con man takes you home to meet his mother who works as a nurse at a, at a Catholic school. Wow. Yeah, this sounds a lot like a, a producer that I uh, had a project wrapped up in who uh, seemed uh, very legit as well. And uh, I used to call him the invisible bastard because he, he suddenly one day just up and vanished. And that was just it. My, I'd co-written this script and he was trotting it around and we had a whole storyboard been done and this whole thing. And then all of a sudden, just nothing, just gone. I wish it would have ended like that quickly. <laughs> and it ended up lasting about two years. We ended up in the South Africa during apartheid. Holy cow. Got chased. I mean, I've never been thrown out of a bar, but I was thrown out of a country. <laughs> then we were in Monte Carlo. Uh, we were actually invited. Somehow we got an invitation to the Baudal Rose with the, with, uh, with the, uh, with Prince Albert, Prince, Prince Albert and Princess Stephanie. I have no idea how that happened. And then of course we got arrested in San and in New Orleans for, Thinking about scalping Super Bowl tickets. Nice. And at that, after that, you know, oh, and of course it was the 1980s. So I, for the first year of the effort, I, everywhere I went, Rick James was. Okay. I mean, from a fat burger in in Beverly Hills to a nightclub in Boca Raton, Florida, there was his bald ass. Wow. Okay. <laughs> it, it, I mean, it was. I mean, I. The only reason why people believe it is because they've talked to people who were who faded in and out of. And I I went to Wake Forest and I was on a like a sports and entertainment and politics type message board. Uh huh. I told little bits and pieces, and somebody finally, the guy who was running it finally said, "If you don't make that into a book, you're banned." <laughs> and it'd been like twenty years, and I finally decided to write it in, and that came out, and I. Without knowing what I'm doing, we sold a couple thousand copies. What was that book called? It was called uh, A Story Almost Told. Okay. And I think it's going to be a perfect... The the beauty of this is, if we get Standoff made into a movie, um, they'll make a story almost told. Of course, I think I'll change the title to Better Late Than Never for that. (laughs) But the thing is, whomever makes Standoff in the movie becomes the ultimate hero in my book and... And the second movie, not that anybody in Hollywood would have an ego and would like to go to, I saved this old guy. And I made this story of uh, the American dream, de- dream delayed. 
I made it happen. <laughs> yeah, nobody wants to take credit for that. No, nobody would want that. No. So then, yeah, I was, of course, I have to say, on that one, I was, that one I think got up to the number six highest reviewed books on Smashwords. I've used Smashwords over Amazon because you get paid more. Okay. <laughs> and you get paid sooner. That's good. And so if they're going to have to go somewhere, you might as well direct them to where that happens. But my, I was actually, at one point, I had 38 five-star reviews and no, and nothing else. And then I finally got my favorite review, which was a two-star review from a 19-year-old kid from Indonesia yeah. who had reviewed over 100 books. Wow. Every book was science fiction or fantasy. <laughs> On his little homepage, he said his dream was to be Captain Kirk. Wow. And although people have... Although people have called me like a space cowboy once or twice in my life, um, there were no Romulans in my book. So he found no Romulans, no Klingons, no starships. So uh, he thought it was boring. Oh, man. That's not fair. You know, getting shot at, getting arrested, That's making, a... you know, being, being on the page three of the Times Picayune when the Super Bowl's on page one, none of that's exciting to him. No, no, because it's, it's too real. Yeah. And so then, actually, you know, I, I had been thinking, I was, try, I was trying to figure out how to bring Standoff back because it's just really funny, to be honest with you. It's, and it's not me saying it's funny. It's like Dick Martin, yeah. Howie, you know, Dick Martin and you know, Maddie Simmons and some other people thought it, thought it was really funny. Yeah, well, it's the good thing is it's it's about a particular a real thing in history, right? So it it, now, it it retains its sort of evergreen quality because of that. It just becomes more and more of a historical piece to produce. I mean, think about this way. Do you actually believe the story you were told? You believe that one morning, in like 1988 or 1989, Gorbachev woke up and he called Reagan and said, hey, Ronnie, I'm bored with the, with the, with the Cold War. Let's just call it a tie. <laughs> and Reagan called, said, well, you, you're going to have to like, accept some protests and then knock down the, the Berlin Wall, and then, we'll, then we'll, I'll think about it. He goes, yeah, but you got, and then Gorbachev said to him, well, you've got to get Pink Floyd to a concert while that's happening. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it was a you know, 40,000 nukes, 2 million troops, all those tanks, and we just go, okay, let's go home. Yep. And that's what they try to tell us. So that was that's a so it's a it's a brilliant idea to say you know what no one no one knows what happened behind the scenes so I'm going to tell them. And also, I mean, you know, even as recently as 15 years ago, you could buy a bottle of cheap vodka was for for rummies on Skid Row. Yeah, it was two dollars, three dollars a bottle. Now vodka costs fifty dollars, a hundred dollars a bottle. See, that's what, um, part of what they, that's the reason. Part, yeah, and my my story tells a little bit what which could be the reason. Well, it sounds good. I just want to ask technically about smash words, just because uh, in case I've got listeners who are writers, and you said it's uh, it's got some advantages over Amazon. Um, do you? How do you generate a response from from Smashwords? Is it uh, by using social media? Is it Smashwords itself publicizes things? They do some publicity, but you do basically all, all of it yourself. I mean, on Amazon, unless they're a star like you, they're not going to pop, they're not going to help you. <laughs> too much. But I mean, it, and also the thing is, I mean, it's not like it's 
product, there's, I think there's about 460, 470,000 books there. That's on Amazon? No, on Smashwords. Oh, okay. And they also have deals with iTunes and Kobo and libraries. Yeah. So, I mean, they, it's, it's, you know, obviously maybe it's more prestigious, but also we can hide out a little bit more because, uh, you know, with standoff, I'm trying to use the idea of being up there right now as a, to t touch your, your, your professionalism right now about being, doing a marketing research study focus group rather than just being self-published. You know, we can fib. <laughs> and so the thing is, uh, you know, we have that kind of thing. We have that do it that way. Smashwords. I mean, Mark Coker is a really good guy. He started with he started with this idea a few years about six or seven years ago, eight years ago. And you know, he has you know he's, he's certainly not Amazon, but he's got thirty or forty percent of the business in Europe. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's a really nice business model. I mean, it's uh, Amazon leaves a lot of holes in the in the landscape behind it as it moves its giant plodding way across the planet. <laughs> and, I, and I'm really worried about their laser drones coming by if I si sell it on other sites besides theirs. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's a tremendous what you have in common with with soundcasts or podcasts is this especially now is this attempt to try and be visible to break through i mean you know when when i started doing this this show six and a half years ago there wasn't that much out there but i mean it was it was, it was certainly growing but now there's over three hundred thousand shows like this uh not like mine but i mean there's three hundred thousand audio entertainment shows out there and that's a lot of clutter to have to have people wade through to find you so uh I don't envy your position of trying to get people to uh, to find out about Standoff. But that's why we go on Succotash and Huffington Post. That's right. That's exactly that, right. And that's why I'm here to help people just like you. Well, thank you. And I have absolutely no trouble wearing, like, six-inch heels that have, that have um, goldfish in them. I don't <laughs> mind doing that. <laughs> Well, I having having written a book and having sold screenplays, I know exactly the feeling, and you just feel so dirty when you get home. <laughs> yeah, but it, you know that's just the way it is. I mean, and the 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 thing about I, I just am trying to find that secret handshake to get out there because you know I have no problem whatsoever saying, "Hey, help me show the show the people who think they know that the people can actually make make a hit." Uh, yeah, exactly. Now you you mentioned that uh, you're still trying to get standoff maybe into into movie movie producer hands, right? So how how's that struggle going? I haven't I haven't done much new since I put it out. Mm -hmm. uh, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get a little more background. You know the marketing scheme. Yeah. I want to be able to show that you know, I mean, uh, that people around the world are looking at it and. Um, you know, we have to find it. You know, why don't you call your buddy Soderbergh for me? <laughs> you mean Jerry Soderbergh? Yeah, let me, exactly. let, me let me get him on the phone. <laughs> and it's one of those things that I, I mean, we'll come at it any way we can. I mean, I I like the idea of putting the two of them together, the two stories together as a package because it's a it's a natural because I think that what will happen is. Anybody who goes to see Standoff will go to see Better Late Than Never. There, mm -hmm. I don't think there's any question about it. As in, 
You know, there's not, it's not like it's it's not like it's a possible um, sequel which probably will suck. It's actually a completely different story that has something to do with the first story. Well, you know, given the given the breadth of uh, media production these days, you, I, I could almost envision if you got Standoff done as a movie, you could almost do the other story as like a cable series or something that actually kind of crosses the divide because it has to do with a real motion picture and yet you're in this kind of Netflix kind of world which would be would have, interesting I would have no problem with that I mean I think Netflix could do both they've got enough 799s yeah yeah absolutely they're constantly and Amazon is doing some and now Apple wants to get in the game so you know it's just uh, it's a matter of time and timing as always with these things whether it's movies or books or any other sort of media thing so I wish you luck with your your uh, attempts to move forward with it. How can people help you out? Well, we can. I can, the people who are listening to your show or doing other shows can contact me, and I'll, I'll be happy to be on your shows. They can buy the book at Smashwords.com and just search Standoff, and they can contact me directly, Rick at NovelTunity.com. That's N-O-V-E-L. T-U-N-I-T-Y.com. It's like novel and opportunity smashed together. Great. Well, I'll, I'll make sure that there's a actually direct link on, uh, on my blog uh, entry for the episode when this uh, drops on Succotash in the very near future, which is great. And a little bit more, if you would like, for for yeah, yeah. Uh, for either the for either um, HuffPo or for for Succotash, the basic premise of Standoff is that the Rush, the Soviets and the Americans both realize it's lunacy to uh, start an actual war. Although the secretaries of defense each think that if they could blow the us, if we could blow them off the face of the earth 137 times and they can only blow us off the face of the earth 134 times, we actually win. Yes. And the same thing, <laughs> and the same thing happens in the, in the, in the Kremlin. Of course. So after all this talking back and forth, they decided the best way to, to win this Cold War was to attack each other's vices. <laughs> and how, how do they go about that? Don't give too, well, mu don't give too much away. Just... Give a, well, the idea, well, we'll just give an idea that um, the Soviet Union looks at old Andy Griffith shows. They even look at the old Tonight shows. They see even Walter Cronkite smoking on, on TV. They see doctors doing advertisements for um, cigarettes. cigarettes. Yeah. And they decide America can't live without cigarettes. <laughs> so they send KGB agents over to poison our crops. Ah. And our, our great CIA decides that Russia can't live without vodka. <laughs> so we sabotage their distilleries. But what they don't realize is... The princess we were talking about from before, yeah, he had just lost his country's treasury in casinos <laughs> and women, and he said five or ten percent. The other five or ten percent he just wasted. So what he does is he sells his vote on the Security Council to both the Russians and the Americans. <laughs> I see. <laughs> to buy, he he has no idea why, but he decides he wants to buy. He sees there's going to be there was a big flood in Egypt and in Turkey. So he figures there's going to be a big problem with tobacco in the next year. So he sends a, he 
sends a beautiful woman to go buy up all the tobacco futures on the commodity market. And the, the honest Abe African president knows that his island has been wanted by both sides for decades to, to spy on each other. Right. So he has the Americans build them a new airport and some hotels. And he has the Soviets dig, dig him a deep water port and turn their Coca-Cola plants into vodka distilleries. <laughs> well, it certainly sounds like it's well thought out. And it sounds like the kind of thing you could imagine happening in the background of uh, all these global manipulations. So it's, uh, as I said, it's an entertaining read by the time... Uh, I do manage to write this up for HuffPost. I will have gotten all the way through the book so I can add a few little uh, insights of my own. Three little things before we leave. Yeah. If you need to get to me directly, you can just go rickatnoveltunity.com. Okay. And I am going to, you know how you get that disclaimer when you valet park your car, which means nothing? Yes. My disclaimer is that I am not personally responsible for any dry cleaning, carpet cleaning, or ruining of your computers if while you're reading the book, that you spit out wine, beer, or spill stuff. I am. That's on you. Okay. Let me know about it before you do it. <laughs> I think. I think that's the compact uh, all of us uh, creative types have with our audience. We we cannot take responsibility for any sort of bodily fluids or accidents that may happen during the uh, discourse. That's it. And you know, and any secret handshakes you want to show me to some of the other podcasts, Mark, I'll be happy to steal. I will do what I can. In fact, uh, my next interview I have coming up in just a few minutes is uh, with Dana Carvey. So I'll see if I can get. Ah! A, I'll see if I can, I can get a secret handshake off of him. Great. And so thank you so much. If there's anything else, is there anything else you need from me? No, not the time. But I, I will try and follow up when uh, if things get moving for this. Uh, you have to promise me you'll come back on the show. and We can talk about uh, what what sort of forward momentum is happening. I, I, that you've got that anytime and. If you need me for anything, call me because every once in a while I can. You and I could be funny about some of these things. I mean, I did create last fall a T-shirt that we sold a few hundred of, which had Trump, uh, Trump being Trump, Putin's uh, puppet. Okay, all right. So, so we let's do that, and I'm around whenever you need me. And I guess we're out. All right, Rick. Thanks so much for your time, and uh, look forward to talking in the near future. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye. Bye. All right. Well, thank you so much for the interview. And you can get his book uh, at Smashword. I'll have a link to it on uh, the blog entry for this episode at SuckatashShow.com. I, I don't know if it could be. A, I guess it could be a movie. It's a pretty funny book. I still haven't got, got all the way through it because I've just been busy. It's actually really well written. But I haven't completed a book in nine months. I get partway through and then I get distracted. And I think it's... I think I'm just too addicted to reading stuff on my iPad. In fact, all the books I've read, including his, I have ported to my iPad. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe I need to go back to paper or something. Anyway, um, <clears throat> I'm going to try and do a write-up for that, too, for HuffPost, now that I'm getting back on the beam. I am going to try and call. You know what? Overton is uh, working on that speechless show, uh, so he's uh, not able to reach him, but... I'm going to try and reach another friend of Succotash uh, who has a new podcast. We just clipped it in the last clip show. Uh, and he's going to be at PodFest doing a show live. So I'm going to try and call him right now. We're going to try and connect with, uh, with Travis Clark. So stand by.
Mark or Sean? Travis Clark. Hey, buddy. Hey, you know what? I'm uh, driving down I-5 to get to L.A. to participate in the podcast festival. Yeah. And I'm re- I'm recording one of my infamous I-5 half-isodes <laughs> right now. Oh, awesome. Yeah, so I figured I, I'm, I've told my, my loyal listener, I still haven't figured out what his name is, but I just told him that I was... We're going to try and reach Travis Clark because Travis is going to be at the podcast festival. Fantastic. I will be there. I know you will. What what day are you guys doing your show? We are um, Sunday, October 8th at 2 p.m. Sunday, October 8th at 2 p.m. Perfect. Uh, I'm doing a panel at 1.30 p.m. Right. So I'll be waving at you from across the hall so you'll know. We'll be there in spirit with each other. I think I'll be able to get to your show because my panel's just a half an hour. Oh, that's great. That's what I'm hoping for, anyway. We'll see. The, the, yep. the best part is, I'm on that day I'm moderating a panel on uh, podcast sponsorship and how to maintain your long-term relationships with, <laughs> with, your, with your sponsor. And, and I really think the people that run the podcast festival think that Henderson's Pants is an actual sponsor. That's amazing. I love that. That's so great. Oh, yeah. It's really, I mean, uh, we've just had such an amazing partnership with them. They just, uh, and they keep coming out with new products. That's what's amazing also. Exactly. And they, you know what? And they listen, they listen to us. We will, we will suggest (laughs) pants styles and they will actually make them. Which is is great. So tell me, you know what? I, I, we clipped your new show. Or something. 
so I started listening to it on the way down today, and it's, you know what it is? It's, it's sad. It's, you can tell by the t- timber of their voice, there are a couple of ra- old radio people. And it's, oh. it's clear that they are no longer employed uh, by a radio station, but they want to keep doing what they do, which is, I, I think that's nice. But it just, right. it, it, it has that radio show, I'm going to use the word taint right here. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that kind of, yeah. You know what I mean? The, I almost, the whole yeah. voice thing and the funny, <laughs> funny laugh and just, oh my god. Yeah. And I just, well, like, it, uh, it's such a stylized little thing, and especially if they're old uh, vets of it, I, they can't let that go. And I think that's what I like about podcasting so much is that, I mean, I guess you can make a show like that, but. The shows that seem to resonate with people, and the shows that I certainly like listening to, are the ones where they're they're real. Or if it's going to be put on, it's almost you know a radio play that's been super produced. You know that's that's the stuff that's I think compelling about podcasting is you can make pretty much anything. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And there's no one to tell you you can't, and there's nobody to tell you what you what you can say and how you can say it. And the funny thing about these guys is they're. I don't know where they're being distributed. I assume just like the rest of us, just through iTunes and whatnot. But they're taking pains not to swear during their show. And, I mean, so much so that it's painful that they're not letting themselves swear. It's like, F word! And talking about people swearing in public and then saying, yeah, I heard a guy say C word the other day. And it's like, oh. Oh, to me that sounds like if they are old radio guys, that they're hoping that this gets picked up and syndicated on terrestrial. So they're like, let's just go ahead and give them a great back catalog. Yeah, although it's funny because they, I mean, they take pains to also call it a podcast. It's it's, it's not it's not a dis, it's not like a disguised. Hey, this is you know because some of these people, you know, the, the the landscape is rife with people that are doing still doing radio shows, but are then just repurposing it as podcasts. Right. Yeah. They just. You know, rip whatever the day's episode was, and then throw it up on. Yeah. I feel like that's cheating. You know, guys like us who are who are just trying to to, find, to get an audience on the internet. I feel like you're cheating if you also have a radio. You know, that's terrestrial right. radio listeners. Yeah, because then yeah, you've got you've got sponsors who aren't really sponsoring your podcast. They're just kind of slop over from your broadcast stuff. I mean, there, it's no it's no Henderson pants. You know? It's no Henderson's. Thank you. <laughs> Hender, I, can, I can guarantee you that Henderson's pants will never sponsor terrestrial radio ever. <laughs> ever. Or if they do, I think we'll all be incredibly surprised. Of like, wait, what's happening? Yes. Yes. I got an interesting. Let's get back to the podcast festival for a moment. I've, oh, sure. I've already talked about it at the beginning, at the top of the show about. Um, you know, when, where it is and when at the Biltmore Hotel this weekend, blah, 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 Friday through Sunday. But uh, it's sort it's 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 almost like it's gone back to the first year they did this as a Kickstarter because uh, I did you get the note yesterday? I think it went out to everybody who's on the show that uh, they're kind of hurting. They're still paying off last year's. Yeah, I saw that. That was surprising. Um, because, I mean, I always... L.A. Podcast has been, this is what, the sixth one? Sixth year, yeah. Uh, yeah, the fact that they're still paying off last year, it, it, it seems like it's been growing every year. So it was odd to hear that they lost the money. I, guess. Well, I think what happened, I think they, 
they came in thinking of great guns. We did great the year before. Let's really do it up. And then I think it was, was it Midroll that sponsored the one in Anaheim in November? There was another podcast festival. Oh, right. That's why they said they kind of, a big corporate one kind of came and stole a lot of the audience. Stole the audience and stole a lot of the podcasters. I think think they got some sort of exclusivity from a bunch of guys uh, who then did not show up for the L.A. Podcast Festival, and they went to Anaheim the month after. Ooh, that's dirty cool. Yeah, and they may have even pulled away some sponsorship and all sorts of other stuff, so... I think, and they did, you know, they did a live feed, and I don't think they had a lot of people paying for that. So, so there's no live streaming this year. Well, the live streaming, as I remember it, was just hugely problematic, technically. Like keeping the the, the stuff up, getting the signal, the getting the, the enough. Yeah. Yeah, I think they had a lot of problems with it. It's one of the reasons they're not doing it, right? I think so. It seems like a great way for people who can't come to L.A. to enjoy this thing still. I think one year, even though I lived here, I watched the live stream because I was like, oh, I can just stay in my house. Well, it's somehow so apropos for something like a podcast festival anyway. Right, exactly. (laughs) Um, So maybe as passive as possible. Yeah. So it's so it'll it'll be interesting to see what the vibe is this year. Yeah, and the billboard's fancy, right? It's a, yeah, it's like a grand old hotel, uh, which will be interesting. Um, it will a grand old hotel with internet radio shows in it. Yeah, it's it's a, it's what a, a, what a juxtaposition. It's a living a- anachronism. Um, I'm excited to see you because it's been a while since uh, we saw each other in person. If it, I'm thinking correctly, it has been a while because I've been to LA for I think I think the last time I was here was last year's podcast festival. Could that be right? Right, and I didn't go to that one. Yeah, so it was a, a trip shortly before that podcast, or maybe I saw you. One, no, yeah, maybe I think I the saw, last time I saw you was when I was up in the Vineyard. That, nah, that you know what? That could have been it. That could have been Which it. Is about two years ago now. Yeah, so, anyway, just wanted to catch up with you before I caught up with you, and uh, <laughs> give, give our loyal listener a chance to hear your, your dulcet tones again. Here I am. Travis, thanks so much for the time. And Oh, thank you, Mark. It's always good to hear from you, so thanks for calling. And th- thank you for answering, and uh, <laughs> I will, uh, I'll talk to you, and I'll see you shortly. All right, uh, drive safe, be safe. All right, thanks, Travis. All right, right, there's Travis Clark getting ready for this year's podcast festival in Los Angeles. Good guy. And uh, I do. I miss his tiny odd conversations show that he did with his wife. But uh, they, you know, it it had run its course, as all podcasts do. As people often say, perhaps Succotash has run its course, Mark. Have you thought about that? All right, let's, uh, since we have no uh, tweet sack... Sorry, Tweety, uh, because I don't have access to my email or my Twitter account while I'm driving. Uh, and we have no cavalcade of gratitude this time. But again, thanks so much to you who keep listening and mentioning us in your social media. Really appreciate it. You know who you are. And uh, if you don't know who you are, we'll tell you next time. Uh, we also got a call in to the Succotash hotline about a week ago. And uh, so I have pulled it off of the hotline and it's from our friend Hunter Block and 
Uh, always love when uh, our friends give us a call, which you can do, and I'll give you the number right after this. Hello, everyone. This is Hunter. I'm leaving a, uh, a message for the uh, Succotash show, the comedy soundcast, soundcast. I just want everyone out there to know how uh, very awesome this show is and how much I enjoy listening to it each and every week. So uh, come check them out, enjoy the awesomeness, and uh, give them a kindly review. Peace, and uh, keep up the good work, work. Thank you, Hunter. Don't forget Hunter's show that he does with our uh, associate producer, Tyson Saner, the Antisocial Show. Get it on iTunes, SoundCloud. You guys up on Stitcher yet? I don't know. Laughable? Has Laughable picked you up yet? Let me know, because I actually have a little uh, little inside track with Laughable, and I can make sure that happens. Uh, but anyway, thanks, Hunter. Appreciate the call. And now, let us do this burst o Durst. Hey, guys. Will Durst here with a few choice words about the cascade of disasters that has descended upon us lately. Two huge earthquakes in Mexico, multiple Category 5 hurricanes strafing the Caribbean, and Donald Trump addressing the General Assembly at the United Nations. Now what you call boon times for the Western Hemisphere. Taking his act to the UN, the tweeter of the free world trotted out his America First campaign, which is like waving skewers of pork kebabs at a PETA convention wearing a mink coat with pockets full of cottage cheese. Reading off a teleprompter in his patented indoor voice, the former real estate developer announced to the world that if Rocket Man, his cute pet name for Kim Jong-un, doesn't get his act together, North Korea will be totally destroyed ostensibly by B -B -B Benny and the Jets. As you may have noticed, our neophyte commander-in-chief is not big on the spoonful of sugar axiom. He's more of a wave of sledgehammer to push in a thumbtack kind of a guy. Despite receiving death stares that would cauterize a satellite, he then put the rest of the world on notice, including Iran, Cuba, Venezuela, Nambia, Chad, Jeremy, Vincent, Tiny Dancer, and any other entity that might consider crossing him whose name isn't Russia. His lifelong irrevocable BFF who can do anything they want, except release certain videotapes. Apparently, when they teach the phrase bully pulpit at Trump University, all the emphasis is on the first two syllables. The more we see a typhoon Donald's foreign policy, the more obvious it becomes that when future generations discuss our current beloved leader, they will most likely develop a custom where they spit on the ground after saying his name. That is, if there are future generations. <laughs> For Succotash, the comedy soundcast soundcast, I'm Will Durst. That is our resident political comedian and social commentator, Will Durst. You can find out more at willdurst.com. He's also tweeting at Will Durst on the Twit machine. All right. I think, I think that is going to do it for this weird driving episode 159 of Succotash, the comedy soundcast soundcast. Uh, look forward to seeing you if you're in Los Angeles. Passing a couple of Hell's Angels right now, so you might be able to hear their throaty motorcycle throb behind me. Uh, as I was saying, looking forward to seeing you at the uh, Los Angeles Podcast Festival coming up this Friday, October 6th. 
through Sunday, October 8th. Look for me in the podcast lab. Also look for me moderating a couple of panels and a guest on a panel. Panels on Mon- uh, Friday at 1.30, Saturday I think at 3, and Sunday also at 1.30. So uh, look for those if you're going to be there. I'll look for you if you're going to be there. And if you drop into the podcast lab and see me set up there, I'll try and stake out a little corner for myself, plop yourself down in front of the mics, and let's have ourselves a conversation. If, uh, if we don't have that conversation, here's the number of the Succotash hotline I promised I would tell you, 818-921-7212. That's, uh, that's not toll free. you got to pay for it, but it's uh, easily done. How expensive can it possibly be? Call that number, 818-921-7212, and uh, tell me what's on your mind about comedy soundcasts or just about anything else. With that said, I'm going to turn it over to our friend and booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, to get us out of here. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. You've been listening to Suckatash Clips, the comedy soundcast soundcast with your host, Mark Hershon. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants and... Imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at SuckatashShow.com, on iTunes, on Stitcher Smart Radio, on SoundCloud, and on Ha Ha Ha, the laughable app. You can also hear us streaming and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Suckatash Show. Email us at marc at SuckatashShow.com. Or call into the Suckatash hotline at our non-toll-free call number, 818-921-7212. Our number again is 818-921-7212. You can also upload clips from your favorite comedy soundcasts directly to us using our direct upload link at Hightail.com slash you slash Suckatash. Suckatash is produced and engineered with the kind assistance of Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, home of the hit. Our associate producer is Tyson Sainer. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. Until next time, I am your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the Suckatash. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>